0: We've been involved in church our whole married life. We have never been out of church. I mean there's been times when it's been very difficult for us to do that but we've always stayed very involved, very active in the church. I grew up Catholic and you grew up non-denominational and we would, you know, attend each other's churches um, but we didn't really yeah, have a home of our own <laughs> and, and we would just clash. I mean we could not come to Especially an agreement. Especially when it came to Well, what are we going to do when we have kids? We got in a fight one day about uh, me taking the children to church. And so I was like, well, then come to church. And so he decided to come to church. Every day, you know, you lift each other up in prayer, and you just bathe your marriage in prayer. I'm so excited about what we're going to begin today. Uh, we're entering a new series of messages called From This Day Forward, a series on marriage. It's, it's a beautiful day uh, to begin it. Uh, incredible uh, set that they put together. I'm just amazed. There is some very talented people. I, I, I knew I heard a little bit about it, but I walked in this morning just like you and was like, wow, look at the set. Uh, just give them a hand. I just wanted to say how much we appreciate that. I had nothing to do with that. Uh, they put that together. We have some great people who did that. Uh, an amazing, amazing job they have done that. But I'm believing God. Let me tell you why I'm so excited. I really am believing God, that God's going to do an amazing work in our marriages. I really am. I've been praying for this for a while. Uh, this has been a series I thought about doing last year several times. It just never came about. Uh, I've been, been praying for this season and God somehow strategically put it here. I don't know why for this particular time we're doing it, but it's God thing. And I believe God's going to do an amazing thing in our marriages. I'm not coming to you as an expert because that's not the point. The point is, what does God say about this? And so we're going to look at what does God say about marriage and what can we learn from God to help us in this it. it the first one in the series? So um, we are to seek God. That's why this one's up front. We're going to do the Seek God part of it today. So if you're single uh, this morning and you're not married and you say, well, what does this have to do with me? Here's what. We want to invest some in you through this series because you're going to learn some tools that will help you for a potential future marriage if God wills that you get married. So you're going to be able to, you know, don't tune out. Just say, you know, God, what is God teaching me through this about marriage? And so this is going to be good for you. And if you're married this morning, it's going to be good for you because we're going to talk about five particular commitments and and how they, they reflect on the Word of God, commitments that can help to give you a strong, good, godly marriage. And I believe you can do that in your life if you will listen to what God has to say. Let me ask a simple question as we begin this morning. How many of you ladies remember that when you were a little girl, you dreamed about getting married and what the wedding would look like, and you thought about all those different things and about, you know, some some handsome, strong guy who would carry you across the threshold and who would love you and rub your back, and you probably even... Um, probably even way back then named all your kids. How many of you ladies know what I'm talking about? Hold your hand up. Oh, come on. Be honest. Hold your hand up. Yeah. How many of you guys did the same thing? Please don't hold your hand up because we're going to kick you out. You lose your man card. No, but we had dreams too, right? There, maybe they were a little different in the way we, we had. We had dreams. We dreamed about you know marrying some beautiful woman and and dreamed about things we would do, and 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 you know, thinking, "Hey, this this woman's going to take care of us like Mom did, right?" We don't want to admit that. <laughs> right, so be honest, all of you. How many of you are still dreaming? See, here's the, here's the thing about uh, about marriage. You know, we had a certain level, and we all do, we have these expectations about what marriage is going to be like. And these expectations come from the world. They come from things we watch, the fairy tales, the, the love stories, the romance stories, things we read and, and things we imagine. And we imagine these stories and things about what the world says it should be like to be married. And then we, um, for those of us, you know, I'm not trying to you know, discourage you who are not in marriage, but then we get married, and we discover it's not like that. And it doesn't work out the same way that we imagined it in our in our heads, and we thought with these expectations, that we have, this is what it's going to be like. And so then, then we get let down. We get a little bit disappointed in marriage. And, you know, we, we have hurts and pains and struggles in that, and, and some of the result of that is divorce. And maybe it's not actual divorce, but it's just kind of like we resolved ourselves to a marriage that maybe isn't what we want, but it's what we got, and so we just kind of exist inside of this marriage because that's what we're supposed to do, but it's, it's just a disappointment to us, and so we're wounded, we're and, and we naturally uh, become, many of us, cynical about marriage, maybe because of our experiences or maybe what we saw in our parents or maybe our own, uh, you know, divorce or whatever that we've been through. We become very jaded and cynical about marriage. And so it begs the question, as we start this particular series, is is a great marriage possible? Is it possible to have a good and godly marriage, the kind of marriage that God wants? Is it really possible to have that? And I would say that I think from, from a biblical standpoint, the answer is yes. However, it's not likely if we're going to do things the way the world does. You see, if we do things the way that the world suggests that we do them, or you look at marriage in the way that the world looks at marriage, then I believe we're going to to, to have the same kind of results that the world has, church. If we look around our world today, here's what we see. In our culture, in, in, in America today, we see that um, 50%, right at 50% of all marriages that begin will fail. 50%. And, and in fact, uh, statistics also say the younger we are, the more likely it will fail. And even in the good side of that, you know, the 50% of marriages that do are still together, uh, when they do statistics on that, basically 50% of those people say that they are generally unhappy in their marriage. In other words, they don't look at their marriage as a success. They just don't know what else to do. They've either, you know, they're just resolved to make it through this marriage uh, for the sake of the kids or or whatever, or because of their conviction that they're just going to stay married. They're just going to do it, but they're not really significantly happy with inside their marriage. They don't believe their marriage has any real... So, So here's the thing I'm trying to say. If we do things the way the world does them, the odds are stacked against us. Because that's how it's happening out there. That's what's happening. I mean, we don't see a lot of success stories. We don't see a lot of positive things. And so we do become very cynical about marriage. And you know, and I don't like the odds of that. How many of you like 50% odds? That's well, not very good. If you if I went to the doctor and the doctor said to me, Michael, you listen, I've got to tell you, um, that if you continue to eat ice cream, I love ice cream, right? If you continue to eat the ice cream that you're eating, you got a 50-50 chance of dying the next month. Let me tell you what I'm going to do. As much as I like ice cream, I'm not eating ice cream, right? If I told you, if, you know, if they came out with some report and said, hey, you know, listen, there's a 50-50 chance by the end of this next week your bank is going to close and you're going to lose every dollar you have in it. Well, it's only 50%. I guarantee you, everybody in here is going to pull every dollar they have in the bank out, right? If I told you this morning that if you go home and watch the Saints game, that there's going to be a swarm of angry, flesh, human-eating kittens that are going to arrive at your house viking helmets and carrying chainsaws. And you will die. If you believe me, you're not going to watch the game. (laughs) But more than likely, you're just going to put me in a padded cell. (laughs) We don't like 50% odds, do we? And so uh, what I'm suggesting to you is if you do things the way everyone else is doing them, You're buying into their odds. And so maybe there's a better way, maybe there's a better plan. And I believe with all my heart that that for those of us who believe the Bible, we believe in God, we believe in Christ, that we believe that God has a plan for our marriage. And then it is our job to look at his plan and to realize God wants to bless this. He wants to do something in it. He he knows how to do that. He created this. This is not our creation. We didn't create this. He did this back in the Garden of Eden. He did all this. He put marriage together. It's not about us. It's about him. And so what we need to do, if we want a better marriage, if we want to get in on this, we need to ask a very simple question. God, what do you want in our marriage? Because if we get on his plan, if we get into his thing, then we can say, God's going to bless my marriage. And here's the thing I want you to understand about this, because I think we, we, as Christians, I think sometimes we, we just don't think this way. I don't, I don't know why we do this, but we don't. Somehow, we've got it in our minds that we can do anything we want to do, whenever we want to do it, and God still blesses us. And I want to tell you this. God will never bless disobedience. Never. We'll get, we'll get, but God forgives me, right? Yeah. But he's still not going to bless disobedience first. But, 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 there's no condemnation. But yeah, yeah, you're right. There's, in, in the end, he's going to save you regardless of that here, God will never bless disobedience. And so if I want blessing, I want to have obedience in my life. Because if I'm going to go out and just do whatever, and I'm going to take the world's odds, then take the world's odds. But if I want God in it, then what I need to do is realize, what does God want? and ask myself, what is the plan of God? And begin to implement that in my marriage or in my preparation for marriage. And that's what we're going to talk about, how to do that and what are the key things. Now, I want to say something that's kind of, again, I'm trying to set us up for the whole series and get us ready for this. But I want you to understand that we call this series from this day forward. And there's a reason we call that, because, because I know what a lot of you are going to say. Well, I've already blown it. I've already made these kind of mistakes. I wish you'd have told me this years ago. I wish, you know, whatever. And here's the thing. When I, when, I stood before, when, when I stood before my wife-to-be and before God and before other people, I made this statement, you did too if you're married, or you will if you're going to be married, it's traditional wedding vows. I said, you know, I put my name in there. I take you, Sherry, my wife, uh, to be my wife. And then I said, to have and to hold. What's the next words? From this day forward. Here's the great thing about God, and I want you to understand this as we begin. We've all blown it, all right? Every one of us has blown it. We have not obeyed. We've not done what we're supposed to do. And so here's the great thing about God and his mercy. His mercies are new every day. And so what God is saying to us is from this day forward. Get it right. Maybe you haven't done what you're supposed to be doing, to prepare for your marriage. Maybe you haven't done what you're supposed to be doing uh, uh, in your marriage, but you can start today. From this day forward, you begin to, If you're not married, listen, God wants you to do things differently than the world. He really does. He wants you to look at marriage from his perspective. He wants you to understand what it is, that it's a covenant, between you and another person. is a covenant under God. It is a purpose and meaning. And we don't have time to go into all those things, but there's a greater purpose to your marriage than just your happiness. Now, your happiness plays into this, I know, because that's how we all are. But it's more than that. And so you need to look at it from God's perspective. You need to realize your past doesn't matter. But from this day forward, you can prepare for that godly marriage. If you're married, you're in the same boat. You may look at it and say, well, you know, up to this point, we haven't done it. You don't know how hard our marriage is or how difficult or what water we have under the bridge. But here's the thing. You can start from this day forward to do things God's way, and it'll make a difference in your marriage. All right, we're going to talk about five different things. They're in your notes there, so if you're taking your notes, these are what we'll talk about in the next few weeks. We're only talking about one of them today, Seek God. Here they are. They're seek God, fight fair, have fun, stay pure, and never give up. There's a symbol for each one. Today we're talking about seeking God. You can see back here we got one on fight fair. we got to stay pure, we got to have fun, and we got to stay committed. A symbol for each one I'm going to rotate those around to remind you of these commitments that we want to make. We want to make these commitments. All right, so let's start with number one. And before we start, let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word. And, Lord, we want to honor your word. We want to honor your purpose. And so today, as we look at our marriages, we just want to get honest and real. We want marriages that honor you because a marriage that honors you is going to be a witness for your glory. And, Lord, some of our marriages do not honor you. And so, Lord, we want to, from this day forward, begin a new thing. And we ask that you would do this in our lives. Help us to stay true to your word. May my word stay true to what you say. May all that we think about be directed by your Holy Spirit. And God, may you teach us things this morning to put into our lives so that we can have better marriages. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say, amen. All right, see, God, basically it's summed up in one principle here. Now, I'm summing up a lot of the Word of God here, but here's the point, and you you can see it all over the place. Here's the point. God is your one. Put it in your notes. God is your one. And your spouse is your two. I'll say it again. God is your, and your spouse is your. Now, here is the reason that's a problem. That's what Scripture teaches us, okay? Scripture teaches me that my most important relationship, your most important relationship, is with God. That's first, and then this is the the second biggest relationship you're ever going to have, is your spouse. Okay, that's that's clear throughout Scripture. That is absolutely true throughout the Word of God. But here's where it comes to where it messes with us, all right? Because our culture teaches us from a little bitty, from when we're little bitty, when we read those little, you know, watch little fairy tales and Disney movies and all that kind of stuff, that we are out to find our number one. And so we do things like this. A, A guy, you know, meets a girl. And, uh, you know, she's she's good-looking, and there's a little bit of attraction here, and she smells good. And she laughs at my jokes, and she's real attentive to me. I found the one! Or a girl finds a guy, and he's handsome, and he he pays attention, he listens to me. Don't get used to that. And he's so attentive and and he treats me like a princess. I found the one. He completes me. Okay, here's the problem. Even in our language we mess it up, haven't we? Because Scripture plainly says that there is no human on this planet that is your number one. There's not. But we're so caught up into that. We're so caught up into that culture. We're so caught up into that that what we do is we, get, we find somebody and we begin to say, here's the one, here's the one. This is the one that's going to make me feel good about myself. This is the one that's going to finish me, complete me. This is the one that, that, you know, makes me feel better. This is the one that, yeah, this is the one. And the problem is it's not. Biblically, the Word of God teaches us that there is no one besides God. And if we don't get that, if we don't understand that. Then we are setting this marriage up. We are setting this relationship up for all kinds of issues. Because God is one, our spouse or this relationship number two. So listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter twenty-two, verse thirty-seven through thirty-eight. And he said to him, he said was, the guy asked, you know, what, what is the most important commandment? You know, what are the most important things we're to do? He said, "You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart." with all your soul, and with all your mind. Now, sometimes we look at that and we go, oh, that's just God's command. Do this. Do it. Listen, no, here's the deal. This is what's best for us. <laughs> it's not just that God has some arbitrary command. I just want to be loved. You love me. You put me first. Put, no, God says, listen, the only way life is going to work, the only way your marriage is going to work, the only way this is going to happen is when you discover that I am your number one. All others. This relationship you have is going to be number two. So what you do is you meet somebody, and you like them, and you see this is going to work, and you say, sweetie, you're my number two. (laughs) You better explain yourself. (laughs) But why don't we as Christians say that? Why don't we say you're my number two. and We understand that what that means is God is always going to be my number one. And you're always going to be my number two. Because I can't, if I make you number one, what I'm really doing in my life is I'm beginning to idolize you. I'm thinking you can do more than you can do. So how does this apply to our lives? Well, if we're not married, how this applies is this. And this is in your notes there. I will seek the one, in other words, your job as an unmarried person is to seek the one while preparing for your two. In other words, your job is to say, right now, my I, my role is I want God to be number one in my life, and I'm working hard. Do I want a number two? Absolutely. If that's your heart, maybe you don't. But but if you want a number two, it's, it's not wrong to want it. To, God does not ever say, that, you know, you, you know, that you're forbidden to marry. If you want to marry Mary, nothing wrong with wanting to be married. Nothing wrong with that. But here's the thing: if you want to do it right. You want to seek God, number one, while you're preparing for your number two. So, how do you do that? How does that look in your life? And so, a lot of people say, well, you know, I understand what you're saying, but I'll wait till later. I mean, right now I'm young, you know, and, and all this stuff, and, you know, I've got to sow some wild oats, and I can do this, and later on I'll get my act together, and then I will, you know, then I'll, I'll, I'll have this godly thing going in my life. Don't do that. Because let me tell you something about God. God never blesses disobedience. That's hard to say, but it's true. He does Am I saying that you could never have a good marriage now? No, I'm not saying that. God is also merciful and gracious and kind, and His mercies are new every day. But I'm just saying, listen, don't ever think that because I'm forgiven or because I'm a Christian or because, you know, God's forgiven me, it doesn't matter what I do. I can just sow my wild oats, and it doesn't matter. That's a lie. Andy Stanley tells a story about this in one of his sermons on marriage, and he talks about this young lady. He was a Christian, grew up in the church, and committed to the Lord, but she got off into college, and when she got into college, she you know, kind of started running with some people who were kind of the, the, the wrong crowd. And, and uh, she got into the party scene, and she just began to compromise in her life. And then pretty soon, she started having one boyfriend after another boyfriend doing things she wasn't supposed to be doing. And in the back of her mind, she kept saying, you know, but I still love the Lord deep down. I'm still Christian. And one day I'm going to change all this. And I still want a godly marriage. I still want those things. And that's what she thought to herself. Well, time rolls on and she meets a guy. So she goes to her mom. And here's what she says. She goes, mom, I met this guy. And he is a strong Christian. He loves the Lord. He's He's good-looking. He's, he's a leader. In fact, he disciples other men. He has a, a nice, wonderful, stable job. I think I'm going to try to make myself available to him. And you know what her, her, her mom said? She said, honey, i, I got to tell you, you need to know this. A guy like him is not looking for a girl like you. That hurts. But it's true. Does that mean, you know, I've already ruined stuff and I can't? No, that doesn't mean that because there's going to be a day in your life where you just say, you know what, from this day forward, I'm going to do, and God will honor that. But you just can't live in disobedience and say, God bless my disobedience. It'll all work out. No, it won't. That's not how it works. Because God's calling you to something different and something better than that. But he's saying, look, you gotta, you got to live it. you got to say, this is what I want. And so I'm going to honor God in my life now, and I'm going to prepare for that future, number two, because I'm going to be the kind of like attracts like. If you want a, a godly spouse, then be a godly person. Start now. Prepare for those things. Number two, if you're married, how this applies in our lives is it says, Is that Here's what we need to do. If we're going to seek God in our marriage, we've got to always seek the one with my number two. Now, let me, because this is where we get a little bit of a disconnect here. Because what we're thinking is, God wants me to be spiritual, God wants my wife to be spiritual, and that's wonderful. But I, I believe what God is really saying is, I want you two to seek me together. And that this is what God has called us to do. If we understand that, if we understand what marriage is and what we're supposed to do, we're going to begin to see that that's what God wants. See, our marriages will never be what God wants them to be unless he is one and our spouse is number two. And what we often do is we mix that up, and we put our spouse as number one and God is number two, or we put something else as number one and number two. And what that does is this. That begins to say, well, that's the person that's going to make me happy. This is what I'm looking for. I'm looking for happiness, and I'm expecting my spouse to give that. You complete me. Oh, I feel good when you're around. Oh, without you, I'm nothing. And what that does is this. When we begin to make... Our spouse number one, now, now maybe you're not there right now. Maybe your spouse is not one right now, okay? But I'm saying back when you did, all right, back when you married and all kinds of when you put them as number one, here's what you did. You put undue pressure on them. In essence, what you did is you idolized. Them. And you turned them into an idol. And here's the thing about every person in here. We are... Sinful, amen. And we're going to let each other down. And suddenly, we're going to look at that person there, and we're going to have a whole and what we who we used to idolize, we are now demonizing. Let me explain how that works. Say, say a guy he meets this girl, and and uh, what impresses him. This happens a lot. What impresses him about her, she's so organized, she's so passionate about everything she does. She, you know, she's got the schedule, she does all this stuff, and I love that about her, because most guys are not that way, and they want somebody in their life, you know, kind of that way, and so she's so good about all that kind of stuff. I just love her, she's wonderful, she can years down the road. He's like, she's a control freak! Idolized to demonize. She, t- she tries to tell me everything I'm supposed to do. And when I don't do it, she nags, 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 nags. She won't let me go. The very thing that we idolize is now we demonize it because it doesn't fit anymore like we want it to. So the girl comes along. hear this one too. The girl comes along. She's dating the guy. And she's like, What do you love about it? Oh, I just love the fact that he's so peaceful and calm and nothing seems to really rattle him. You know, he's just. He's like my rock and my anchor, and whenever I'm, I'm flustered and all, I go with him, and it's just, you know, he just listens to me, and it's so, you know, he just calms this whole thing down. I'm like, great. Years down the road, he doesn't do anything. He's never a leader in our home. He's just a stick in the mud. All he ever does is sit down and watch TV all the time. You see, the very thing we idolize is now what we're demonizing in them, right? And this all began because we took our number two and tried to make our number two number one. Because God isn't first in this relationship. And so what we need to do is we need to remember that our goal in marriage, now think about this, our goal in our marriage right now, no matter who you're married to, Look, I'm not, you know, because some of you are already thinking, well, (laughs) I could do that if I had a better spouse. Right? No, our goal is if we're not married, our goal is to find someone who will do this with us. Because, if, by the way, if they won't do this with you, if they're not going to seek God with you, don't marry. Just don't do it. And if you're in a relationship where that's not happening, you know, you need to make your marriage work because God hates divorce, so what you need to do is find a way to make this work. So how do we do this? How do we how do we do this in our lives? Uh, I think there are two things I want to talk about. There are probably many we could talk about, but I'm going to boil it down to two things that I think are essential here. I think the Word of God teaches and would put the strongest emphasis on from God's perspective. How do we do this in a relationship, whether we're dating, or this is our spouse, we're already married? How do we do this? There are two things. Number one, I believe that if we're going to seek God together, it is essential that we pray together. It is essential that we pray together. It's essential. Let me say it one more time. I'm not saying we pray apart. I'm not saying I pray and she prays. I'm saying that we pray together. Now, I'm going to tell you why I think that. I'm going to give you a couple of verses here. First of all, 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14, the Bible is clear about the emphasis of prayer. It says, my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. My people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, and I will hear from him, forgive their sin, and heal their land. I'll tell you something. God wants to heal your marriage. Amen. So my marriage isn't that bad. He still wants to heal it. He wants to do something amazing in your marriage. He wants to bless. God wants to be gracious to you. God wants to fulfill some of those dreams and things in your life. God wants to do that. And prayer is a key aspect of that. And I want you to notice, that there's, a, there's a passage Scripture in Proverbs that tells us when two come together, there's strength in that. But then it says when there are three together, it is like invincible. And so we've heard this thought, you know, that marriage is about three. From a a biblical standpoint, from a Christian standpoint, marriage is about three. It's about God and and the husband and the wife. And so there are three. But here's the problem. They've got to come together. Sometimes in in a Christian marriage, the guy has a relationship with Christ and the, the woman has a relationship with Christ, but they're not coming together in that relationship. And so what we need is this three together at once. And so for that to happen, there has to be intentional on our part. And so we have to pray together. We have to come together. And by the way, Jesus said, whenever two or more are gathered in my name, there am I. So if I want to seek God in my marriage and with the presence of God, it means me and my wife have to come together to seek God. There has to be that prayer. And we can't just be content when I'm seeking God over here and she's seeking God over here. We've got to come together. When they're gathered together in my name, there I am. It's like God's inviting us. Say, hey, you want me to be in your marriage? you got to come together to seek me. Ouch. A whole lot of women right now are going, praise God he said that. I've been wanting my husband to pray with me for years. And I know this because I work with men all the time. Here's what all the men are going, oh, No. That's the one thing I didn't want him to say today. I've got to pray with my wife. I don't know why that is. But it is absolutely true. I've talked to men, I've talked to godly men over and over again, and they struggle with this one particular They will not pray with their wife. Oh, I mean, you know, pray with a meal or something. But they won't pray with their wife. Why is that? Let me give you a couple hints about how to do this, and we'll come back to that here, that thought in just a moment. Let me give you a couple of hints. First of all, uh, if you, this is not in your notes. You're going to write it down. I think it's all good stuff. First of all, keep it simple. In other words, I, I'm not saying that you have to have an hour-long prayer time with your wife. Okay, guys? I'm just not saying that. I, I think it would be very good to take five minutes right now. All right? For some of you just start and just start. Just make it a point to start praying with your wife. Keep it very simple. Just do it. You say, what do I pray? Here's what you pray. You just ask for God's blessing. Okay? Just ask for it. How about just say, you know, Lord, we're coming together before you, and we just want you to bless our marriage. How hard is it to say that? You don't have to, you know, figure out some lengthy theological prayer or something. Just do it. Just pray. Ask ask for God's help. Ask for for blessing. Ask for God to be gracious. Ask for God to to make his face to shine upon your marriage, that your marriage might be strengthened and grow, and those kind of things. Uh, Suggestion number two send each other text of some kind, message each other, write it down, put it somewhere, and just say, honey, I'm praying for you. Just just do that on a periodic basis. Include these these impromptu kind of prayers and so forth. Number three, have a list of things that you, too, are praying about. So what are we praying about? What, what, are, what are A couple of requests he has, a couple of requests he has, make a little list, four or five things, and this is what we're going to pray about when we get together. Just make a little list. It doesn't have to be... A long thing? Does it have to be 30, 45 minutes? It be five minutes just to, to pray and say, God, we just want to lift this situation up before you. Again, we want you to be gracious and merciful and bless and cause your face to shine upon this situation. We're just praying. We're just praying together. And, uh, and by the way, don't, uh, don't use, I'll say this in a minute about the other two, don't use this to pray about the problems of the other person, right? God, I pray you take away his anger. <laughs> yeah. God, I pray she quit nagging me. Yeah, don't do that. Just pray about God's blessing. Pray about things that you know that you want to see God do in your marriage. Pray the positive things into your marriage and into your life. And number four, learn to ask for it. I think this is part of the struggle that we have. With this is you know, it's just a simple thing, and I know it's so simple, but it's so hard for us. Just to walk up to somebody, to walk up to our spouse and say, Hey, I'm really struggling with this. Would you pray for me? I mean, who's gonna turn that down, right? said so my husband never prays with me. Have you ever asked him to? Have you ever gone up and said, Hey, I need your prayer? I mean, maybe if we just ask one another for prayers and say, you know, I'm really struggling here, or i got this problem, or i got this big situation, or I'm all stressed out about it, would you just pray for me? And we'll learn to just ask one another for prayer. Because you know what? We're in this together. We're seeking God together. We want to seek God together because when two or more are gathered in his name, there he is. And by doing this, we're pulling this together and saying, God, we're going to seek you together. I'm not going to seek you just by myself. I'm going to seek you with my spouse. So that this is a marriage of three, not a marriage of two, or two over here and two over here. We're a marriage of three because we're going to put you here, and we're going to both be together with you. It's a choice. It's, It's intentional about making prayer. See, what happens? What happens if we did that? If we did that, we're more likely to go to church together. We're more likely to be in a life group together in community. We're more likely to learn to pray for one another and other people as well. We're more likely to be in a discipleship group because that wouldn't bother us because we we can handle that. We're more likely to be better people out in the community. So if somebody cuts you off, you're not going to yell, send these at them because you know... (laughs) You've been in prayer with your prayer partner. Uh, you're going to learn that, you know, God answers prayer because God does answer prayer. Amen, church. And when we pray, part of the reason we don't know that is we don't pray enough and we don't seek God enough. And we don't pray about things enough. But when we see God answer those prayers, we're going to go, oh, man, my faith is encouraged. I feel better about this. And we're going to be more into prayer. And how many of you understand it's hard to fight with somebody you're praying with? It's hard to call them the antichrist when you got to go pray with them. It's, hard to commi- it's harder to commit adultery or get hooked on lust when you're in a spiritual, consistent intimacy with someone. It's hard to divorce someone when you're seeking God with you. But this is too much, Pastor. I just can You know, that's the one thing I just... Can't do that. Okay, well then buy into the fact that you're going to buy into what everybody else is doing. And you got a 50-50 shot. And even if you do make it, you've got a 50% chance, even if you do make it, you're just going to be it, Or are you going to do it God's way? Are you going to do it God's way? Is it worth it or not? I mean, I know it's hard. It may be inconvenient. It may be, be uncomfortable. You don't know what to say. But how about just do it? and say, God, I'm, I'm willing to take that shot. I'm willing to do what you want me to do. I understand that you created us to be one, to worship you and seek you. We want to be that kind of couple who, you know, that we are gathered together in his name, and you're in our midst so that you can bless our marriage. So we're not content to just idly, I want to be spiritual, she's going to be spiritual, we're both going to be together. No, we're going to seek God together. Because we want that kind of marriage, we want to be that kind. We want that kind of witness to the world around us. Second thing, and this this applies just as equally as well. believe they go together hand in hand. Read God's word together. Read God's word together. You know, if I know anything about seeking God, I know that. God wants us to seek him through his word. He says, abide in my word. My word's abiding you. And you're going to be his disciple. You're going to bear fruit. All of those things. He says, you know, if you don't do that, you know, you're going to be a messed up. You're not going to bear that kind of fruit For apart from me. You can do nothing. And so we know that it's essential for us as believers that we, on a regular day-to-day basis, are in his word. Amen? It sustenance to our soul. It strengthens us. It gives us an understanding of God's ways and God's plan. It is God's way of of, of teaching and instructing and training us in godliness and those things. So we need to be in his word. Now, what better way to have spiritual intimacy in your relationship with your spouse than to be in God's word together? What better way? Jesus said, look, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. In that context, what he's saying is you want all these things, you want all these things in your marriage? You want some, that's wonderful, but here's how you get there. You seek God first. And God begins to bless in all these other areas, you know? See, a lot of us, were so frustrated with all the problems in our marriage. We're so frustrated with the problems in our families that we haven't come to this understanding. That we're, we're, what God is really trying to do is get us to seek Him first. Because he, He's more than willing and more than able to solve these other issues in our lives. But we've allowed those issues to kind of overwhelm us and overcome us. And what we need to do is realize that it is our job as an individual, and it's our job as a couple, to seek Him. So maybe the issue is we're no longer seeking Him. What better way to seek Him than to day by day, coming together as a couple, to read His Word. And, and let's just be, I mean, it could be so simple. Again, just some thoughts about this. Just two on this one. Uh, just keep it simple. I'm not saying we have to have long Bible studies or this great big discussion. I mean, you I may mean, want that, and it's fine if you want to do that, but maybe you've never done that before. You're not there yet, and it could devolve into something you don't want it to be. How about, how about just get together for the purpose of reading this little small passage, and nobody has to say anything about it. You're just honoring God. You just read yep, yeah, here we are, read it. Today he reads it, tomorrow she reads it, and then when you're done, you just start praying. So you got both of them together. Here you're reading God's word together. You just and, and how long does this need to take? You could take three, five minutes. just say, hey, we want God, you to be first in our marriage. We want we want to just talk about how we're a Christian marriage. We're not just going to say we're a godly couple. We're going to gather together on a day-to-day basis, and we're going to say, God, we seek you. And so we open your word, and we read it together, and we, and we don't even have to comment with each other. Your Holy Spirit can do that. Amen? And then we're just going to pray together. Ask for your blessing." ask for you to do things in our lives and to make a difference. And let me just say something about this. I promise you, the enemy does not want you to do this. See, why is this such a struggle in marriages? Here's why. And I'm talking about Christian marriages. The reason we don't do this is because Satan hates that. He hates it. Because here's what he knows. Just think think with me for a minute. Just keep, Step outside of the box and just speaking on it. Satan doesn't mind so much when we got this individual Christianity where we're just all in our own little isolated home. The real victory is fought in relationships. In other words, what God wants is He wants there to be unity amongst his people. Because it brings glory to Him. He said, you know, if you look and you see unity in the church, you see people who, who really genuinely love each other you will know, the world will know that you are indeed my disciples. It brings glory to God. And so here's what what God wants to do in my marriage and your marriage. He wants to bring glory. But he can't bring glory if there isn't unity. And we won't have unity if we don't seek God together. See my point? So the enemy's all content with husbands who go, well, I'm just being spiritual as long as I do what I'm supposed to do. I don't really have to pray with my wife. I don't really have to read the Word. I'll just do my thing, she does. I mean, we're both going to church. We're both doing all these things. It's wonderful. Uh-uh. The enemy's going, I got you, right, right? Isolated Christianity is a gloryless Christianity. Because it doesn't bring any glory to God. See that's the problem with some of our Christian marriages. Some of our Christian marriages, we go well. I'm doing. I'm not doing anything wrong. But is my marriage bring glory to God? I'm not. I haven't done anything bad. I mean, we're not. We're not divorced. You know, we still hung together. We live. Maybe we're not where we're supposed to be. But you know, hey, we're bless God. We're just being obedient to God, and we hadn't done anything. But yet, your marriage is not bringing glory. How do you bring glory? Seek God together. You see, God wants us to look at our marriages from that perspective, to realize that he's called us to so much more than we are. He's called us to so much more than we sometimes just expect, or or just sometimes maybe we just devalued it, and we just kind of come to this place where, you know, this is the best it's going to be. I'll I'll just ride it. It'll get better one day, you know, kind of thing. No. God wants to bring glory to his name through your marriage. You've got to seek God. Interesting stat. Just bring it up because we've worn this down. Uh, there's a study by Family Life, and they did a study on couples that pray together because, you know, how many Christian couples pray together. And what they discovered is this that Christians, couples, only 8% regularly pray together. 8%. That shows you how much the enemy doesn't like this. Only 8% of Christian couples pray together. But the other interesting part of that stat is this. Of their marriages, the 8% who pray together on a regular basis, only 1% had divorced. So what odds do you like? The 50% odds or the 1% odds? Wow. That's a huge difference. That's a huge, huge difference. Two thoughts as we wrap it up. One is, what do you do if your spouse doesn't want to do this. Maybe your spouse isn't even here today. Okay? And you're here, and you're thinking, man, I wish my spouse were here, or your spouse is here, and you want to slap them because you know they're not listening. Because they're not in it. What do we do? Well, let me just give you a couple thoughts. Um, One is, Scripture talked about that. Paul talked about that in Corinthians, and uh, about some wives in particular who had husbands that weren't in. They weren't in. And uh, he basically says to them, Hey, you do the best that you can in that marriage to be an example, what he tells me. I want you to be an example of this. In other words, if we take it, what we're talking about today, uh, you be an example of praying for the marriage. You be an example of prayer. You demonstrate to your spouse that you pray for the marriage, that you want them to be a part of this, that you are doing these things. You write them the notes. You send them the text. You let them know that it is your daily habit to pray. And you put God's Word out there, and He says to them that maybe by the doing of this, you'll be an example to them that they might come to know the Lord. So we can go forward in that. We just begin to, to do that. So don't give up. Don't quit. Be an example and keep asking. It's okay to ask. And the second thought, last question, is well, what if I don't feel this, you know, because... You know, maybe so much waters under the bridge. You just don't know my marriage right now. I mean, we just we're so broken, we're so hurt. Maybe nobody else knows this, but right now we're on the we're on the edge of divorce. And you know, we we hate each other in the background, and everybody else thinks we're the perfect couple, but it's not reality. And pretty soon, you know, we and that's you. I'm glad to announce that God is a God of miracles. Amen. And no matter what you've done or how you feel, you say, I don't feel it anymore. I just can't get to do that. Here's the thing. God still has a plan. If you'll embrace God's purpose and you'll say from this day forward, I'm going to do my part. Listen, here's the thing. God's mercies are new each and every day. And that's where we just gotta. you know, that's the great thing about God is, you know, I mean, it seems so strict. It seems like, you know, well, he doesn't ever bless. But here's the thing. He forgives. He moves forward. There can be victory. We can find freedom. There's moments in my life where I thought I ruined everything. I thought it was it, that I could never have, that it would never be, and yet God's mercy is so great. He says, you know, Michael, if you'll from this day forward do what I've asked you to do, if you'll just be obedient to the things I've called you to be, I will take care of the rest. There might be some hard things you're going to have to go through. It may be a difficult journey, but I'm the God who can take you through that, and so I'm going to encourage you to, You can make it. I don't know what the journey is going to look like. It may be hard. It may be difficult. There may be a lot of garbage there to work through. It may take years to get to there. But I know this, that when you and I decide to do things God's way and commit ourselves from this day forward, I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. God will honor that. And he will bless it, And he will be gracious. And he will cause his, face to shine upon you. He will never let the faithful ever be discouraged beyond belief. He will never let that happen. You will make it. God will be there with you.